what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Forecast, your connection to the who's who in the game of golf. We will make you think, make you laugh, and grow your golf IQ. I'm your host, Alan Burton, Director of Instruction at the Alan Burton Golf Academy at Lake Hickory Country Club in Hickory, North Carolina. Be sure to check out the other shows on TheMesh.tv, all produced here in Western North Carolina. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Find us on all podcast platforms such as Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Um, on today's episode, I tell you, I'm really excited. Got a great show for you today. One of my best friends and pals, uh, Jason Sutton, is joining us. Uh, Jason is also known as, uh, affectionately known as, I should say, the guru. Uh, Jason has been teaching golf about 26 years. He is a PGA teaching professional at Carmel Country Club at the Carmel Golf Academy there. And uh, if I run down some of his accomplishments, uh, uh, it'll probably take up the whole show. So I'm going to hit some of the highlights. Jason is a Golf Magazine Top 100 list from 2017. He's ranked number one in North Carolina by Golf Digest, Best in State, 2017. 2013, he won the Carolina's PGA Section Teacher of the Year. And in 2015, he's a Carolina's PGA Section Horton Smith Award winner. Please welcome this fantastic golf instructor. I am really pleased to have you with us this morning, Jason. Thanks again, buddy, for taking time. And I know Absolutely. it's not a glass of Good wine, but it's, it's over coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's cool. Good to have you with us, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you are um, – you're um, – I guess one of the biggest mentors to me as a golf instructor over a number of years here. And, you know, I think that's what has really uh, been one of your career's strongest uh, attributes is your ability to mentor. Um, I think it's obviously very important to you and, and it is to me. I'm learning how to do that. And uh, let's talk about mentorship a little bit, because I know that's a big part of your, uh, your uh, operational skill. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it has been. It wasn't something I planned, you know, come up through the through the ranks, but it just kind of happens when, you know, you continue to sort of surround yourself with with young kids uh, or young professionals, and I guess you start being known as a guy that that knows stuff, and people start reaching out and asking you questions and asking you for information, and I think you, you just have to make a decision on whether, you know, you're going to share or or you're going to keep it, keep it to yourself. And I've always been one to try to share as much information that I have with others, because I just think that it's one, it's the right thing to do. And two, it helps to grow our industry. And I think the more that we can make others around us better, uh, everything gets better and, and we get better. Cause it, I think mentoring is a two way street. In my opinion is when I'm sharing or, you know, doing workshops, giving information, I, it requires me to be better and it requires me to be sharp. And I think we both grow as, as my staff, you know, my staff very well, 
we always use the phrase iron sharpens iron, right? So when you get around people that have that sort of growth gene, the where they want to be a continuous learner like you are, then it makes you, it makes everybody better, but it's not just me helping others. Uh, that scenario really helps me as well. And it helps me to, to keep growing and, and to keep uh, wanting to get better. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's really, um, to be a good coach, you have to obviously be a student of what you're coaching. And that's, that's what that's I've right. really tried to do. And uh, people ask me how long I've been teaching golf. I say, well, not nearly as long as I've been learning golf. <laughs> and, you know, 100%. it's just kind of a student, student of the game for about 46 years. And, and that's the real, real passion, I think, when you're a good coach, you're able to do that. So, um, you know, continuing to educate yourself. I know you're a, a big proponent of reading and you've read probably more books outside of the game of golf and on the golf swing as you've read on the golf swing. Uh, what is something you've been reading lately that you're really, you're really deep into and you enjoy? Um, that's a great question. I'm trying to trying to get back more into reading because, as, as you know, the, the landscape's kind of changed with, with the Internet now. There's a lot of things that we, we read on the Internet or uh, papers or, you know, things like that. But, yeah. you know, I always have, I've been getting in a lot of Tim Ferriss stuff. I'm, I'm trying to, to work my way through Tools of Titans, which is like an encyclopedia uh, lately, um, which is like, I think, 150 books in one type mm-hmm. of deal but i mean yeah it's just you know it's just i got i got books scattered all around i kind of revisit a lot of things uh, to be honest uh, think and grow rich was one of my kind of go-tos back in the day that mm-hmm. i'll uh, i'll tend to pick it up sometimes and just and just read a chapter you know there's there's a lot i mean i'm trying to look actually looking at i'm in my office right now so i'm kind of looking at some things so I know this is, this is our our busy season as golf instructors yeah. and coaches, so it's hard to find those minutes where we're, you know, not that busy dealing with our our students. But uh, you know, I like to read as well. I probably read a lot more in the winter than I do in the summer. <laughs> yeah, just, for sure. Yeah, yeah. This time of year, it's not as much. You know, just trying to trying to get the most out of my day, which is you know, there's not a whole lot of free time uh, to be to be had at this time of year, as you well know. Yeah. And we probably caught you this morning after uh, probably an eight-mile run as well. Did you get that in this morning here before it got too hot? Yeah, well, no, that'll happen afterwards. Yeah. After, the, after the interview, I'm going to go for a run. And, uh, but I did, uh, you know, a big thing I've been getting into lately is just meditation, just trying to be, trying to quiet my mind and be a little bit more present mm-hmm. uh, throughout the day, which I have a difficult time doing. I think we all do in, in this busy, uh, busy world that we live in now with, with our phones and and social media and whatnot. It's just, yeah. you know, anything I can do to sort of, you know, be a little bit more conscious is really what, what I'm trying to do. And I'm super new to it, but I mean, I think it's going to be uh, a game changer for me um, and the people around me <laughs> during the day sure. that uh, will help me make better decisions throughout the day. And, uh, and just to be a little bit more, like I said, a little bit more present. Uh, so right. I did do my meditation this morning, which, which uh, I'm happy to, if once I get that done, it seems like everything else just falls into place. No, I agree. It, it, getting disconnected from, from all the electronics. And, and like you said, I love the word present being with who you're with at the moment and no distractions. Uh, it's very important yeah, as a golfer. It, 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 yeah. Cause it, it's like, you know, when you see it in our students and, and I'm guilty of it too, is when you're having a conversation with somebody or you're, trying to pay attention are you really paying attention right what are you really listening to mm-hmm. 
we get that with our students a lot too, or we don't know really where their mind is a lot of times when we're coaching. Um, so we have to get that feedback to figure out, you know, what it's kind of like the, uh, the cup and the string and <laughs> the old, the old telephone is like, you know, what, yeah. what did you really hear? So, you know, tell me that. And if it doesn't come back, you know, the, the, the important information doesn't get through, then we got a problem. Exactly. So we need to reiterate it or we've got to um, go another avenue to, to kind of get that to stick. So that's yeah. just me being a person or being a better human. Yeah. Um, just trying to be more present and actually digest what, you know, whoever I'm having that conversation with so I can internalize it properly. No, that's exactly right. Being a good teacher, you have to uh, you have to be a good listener and understand how to um, you know to connect with that student, whether it's using words or visuals or you know feels. And I know you you're a great teacher in that you like to get in there and put your hands on that student, move them around, and make them feel things. So it's your way of communicating that message. Sometimes that's probably the the skill of the teacher figuring out what that student needs at that moment. Um, you know to make to make those improvements that they they're working on. So I think it was fascinating to me in your ability to organize, you know, you've always been very organized as a coach, as a teacher. Um, I've tried to take some of your organizational skills and implement those. I really enjoy, you know, how you took the mastermind skills as you call them and you kind of organize some of the things golfers need to work on. And I think that's fascinating. Really um, most golfers concepts of what they're trying to do uh, is generally not very accurate of what would be appropriate for good results. And so by putting those into a, you know, a list, if you will, I think that's really something our viewers would enjoy hearing about. Let's talk about your mastermind skills as a full swing golf shot takes place. What are those mastermind skills? And let's kind of give the golfers listening some of those nuggets they can take to the tee next time they go out and practice. Yeah, sure. I, I think, you know, once I started teaching, I guess, I guess once I started at Carmel and I sort of was, you know, my own boss and I could sort of come up with the philosophy, I would say, I mean, you may not even call it philosophy. I, I just call it a framework mm-hmm. to sort of work around, right? It's just a, it's just pieces that have a lot of internal pieces within those different, those different you know, spots that you look at and what's important in a golf swing. So I came up with, you know, the mastermind skills and I think in their, they're in order of importance, I think as well. Uh, so low point control was what I came up with, you know, with the first one and you could go, you know, super deep on that, but it's just basically controlling the low area of the circle or the low area of the arc or however you want to describe mm-hmm. the bottom of the golf swing. Sure. So, you know, with an iron, we obviously we want to be, you know, hitting, you know, full shots. We want to be hitting the ball first and then hitting the ground in front of the ball. And, and a lot of times students don't even know that part. Right. Oh, so you exactly. may have to even go, go, go as basic as like, all right, wh- what do you think happens, you know, when a, when a solid golf shot is hit? So that's the first thing you start with. And then you start looking at, all right, what's if that's a problem. Right. If we're not mm-hmm. hitting it solid, because, I mean, how many lessons during the day do you give to where that's the goal right it might not be hitting it perfectly straight or controlling curve right away it's like how do i hit it solid because that's what most players want to do so you know being able to have you know sort of those we call them like pluses and minuses 
in that framework of mastermind skill number one, you can start to dig in and find the solution pretty quick. Yeah. You know, whether it's somebody moving off the ball too much because they thought they should shift their weight, you know, into the backstroke or, you know, cleaning up what looks like a very extended lead wrist at impact a little, little too early. You know, there's a lot of factors that could cause you to not find the low point right. with an iron swing. And then obviously with driver, the, the low point's going to be more back. Right. Right. We got a ball in the air. We want to have a little bit more of a level strike. So set up, you know, set up changes. So, I mean, we can go, you tell me what direction you want to go there. Adam. There's, that's yeah. a pretty deep, yeah, exactly. deep dive. Um, um, but yeah, if you, I mean, if, just to kind of lay out the other factors is, you know, number two is what I call centered pivot, where you, you can really break it into, you know, just saying body motion, right? Because sure. obviously there's not one, one style of pivot that's going to work for everybody. Right. Um, I just, uh, you know, back in the day or five, six, seven years ago, I just called it centered pivot because I really enjoy that. Um, not all my players have a, a perfectly centered pivot, right? You just, uh, mm-hmm. It's just having the pieces. So you could just call that body motion. And then, you know, club face control is a huge deal, obviously. So we call it, you know, just controlling the face of the club. Sure. All the different, all the different factors that, that go along with that, whether it's the attachment, um, it's, you know, supination, pronation, mm-hmm. lead wrist extension, flexion, all the stuff we, we talk about with wrist angles can affect that. Mm-hmm. So it's understanding how to affect these different pieces and then how, what direction you're going to go in a golf swing. Right. And then, you know, club club path, obviously the 3D club path is, is important to controlling the sweet spot. I call it sweet spot path control uh, would be number four. Everybody kind of knows what that means. Mm-hmm. And then deep, deep plane knowledge is the last one because I, you know, you, you can agree or disagree. A lot of coaches out there that I want my players to have a general understanding of ball flight. Sure. I want them to, under, I want them to understand how, what creates certain shots mm-hmm. right so they can sort of be their own coach per se and a lot of a lot of ball flights are difficult to diagnose i understand that for the average mm-hmm. player right but as you know i use a lot of track i use i use track man I use a lot of technology so i want them to understand just the general basic you know d plane so sure. when they leave a lesson they understand face and path they understand angle attack and how that sort of affects the shots that they're going to hit i just think they're going to be more equipped to help themselves when they're away from their coach. No, I agree. Now, I think a lot of instructors, when we started understanding the ball flight and its relationship to this the deep plane model, I think as an instructor, you're like, why would you hold this information from a student? Why would you be afraid to teach them something as simple as two vectors intersecting at the moment that club strikes the ball. It's really a very simple model. And and I agree with you 100%. I think if the student doesn't understand it, they're going to be playing golf in a blind struggle their whole life. And I yeah. prefer them play in a guided struggle, <laughs> as the golfing machine referred to it. I think it's just information you need to, to equip your students with. So I agree. Yeah, I, yeah. Center, not you know, center contact is huge, obviously, because we, you know, as we say that when you hit it off center, that you know the deep plane right. doesn't really exist. Right. Um, but I, but I think we 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 don't spend enough time educating students on gear effect, you know, especially with 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 wood with drivers and three woods right. and hybrids and so forth. So it's just you know because that can get super confusing for players 
when they sure. hit it in the toe and the heel and they don't they don't understand why it's curving the opposite direction of you know what it should be curving right. because exactly. of the of the sweet spot control so i think you know a, a lot of little things like that can be eye-opening to students and save them a lot of frustration oh i agree they're they're um generally not capable of diagnosing their golf shots and and we've heard it every day on our lesson t you know hey i picked my head up or you know i didn't keep my left arm straight i didn't stay down you know you hear all this stuff and you go wait a minute yeah. no this is not going to help you to misdiagnose yourself or just to throw some generic you know mistake verbiage uh, on your golf shot is not going to help you so that's what we're dealing with every day is trying to get golfers aware that no the golf ball responds to certain things that occurred at impact and you have to understand these things to make improvements don't you absolutely and uh, it's really you know for us as instructors to me it's it's fascinating that so many golfers come to our lesson tee and they don't even have an understanding of the concept of low point so you're beginning at page one you know in their educational development saying well where should the club touch the ground when you hit a solid golf shot and they're not they're not sure I mean, they're, that's, they're vague on that, but they know that they're, they're supposed to have a straight left arm and keep their head down. I go, well, no, let's not worry about these things because they're not really happening for most yeah. great players. What is really happening is what you need to focus on, and, and they're just so distracted by all these, uh, I think, uh, really vague, improper ideas about what good golf swings are all about. Uh, for sure yeah and, don't, you know and if you even go into like the the new stuff the new, you know the science and how the club's actually working and the forces and torques then right. it can right. get real confusing when you tell them that you know i want you to pull the grip off the off the club <laughs> right. to actually make the club head go down to the ground then you, you know you get you get a real strange look oh i know <laughs> but you know that's you get that puppy dog look where their head tilts a couple different ways and their eyes roll around you go well well, that's actually what's happening, you know, when you're swinging yeah. the club. You're, you're putting forces and rotational <laughs> movements on the shaft through your hands and, and the ground. So let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's always fun to go down that rabbit hole for sure. Well, oh man, there's gosh. been some, uh, there's been some um, I guess, mastermind skills developed for putting as well. I know you teach a lot of putting. Uh, I've really uh, enjoyed watching your career develop and how many more you know, putting students you're getting these days because you are known for teaching putting. I know you and I both are involved with the Aimpoint Green reading. Right. Um, you brought me into the group uh, probably eight years ago and could not yeah. be more thankful for that relationship as well. But uh, let's talk putting a little bit. Um, okay. You've got some mastermind skills there. Tell me what your thoughts are as you've uh, you've advanced your skills as a putting coach. Where where does that uh, brought you? Well, I mean, it, it just make me more, it's made me more well-rounded. I mean, I think that was the original goal. You know, I never, yeah. I never sought out to be like a, a niche putting coach. Um, because I know, you know, as, as we both know a lot of the full-time putting coaches. I mean, that's a, that's a job that's very thankless and a lot of times can yeah. be very, uh, job security is not the best, <laughs> yep. uh -huh. you know, so I don't, I got, I got to feed my family, but I had, I did, I did kind of you know, set a goal, you know, seven, eight, I guess probably maybe about 10 years ago now to say, I, I need to, I have some deficiencies in my coaching and I really didn't know a lot about putting. So once I got to Carmel and which has been seven years ago, hard to believe time flies. Yeah. Uh, and, and I bought a Sam putt lab, then, you know, a lot of 
a lot of things started to come to light because now I, I understand, you know, I knew exactly I could measure what the putter was doing. Um, and then started digging in more to the sort of the body and the biomechanics of it. So, you know, started prioritizing like, all right, what do I think is important in putting? And it's just, you know, the mastermind skills are simply just, just mechanics. Mm -hmm. Right. And as me and, you know, we've had lots of discussions on the putting. The other stuff is really what is so interesting to me now, you know, not just, you know, the mastermind skills of aiming the club and, you know, controlling the face, mm-hmm. you know, controlling, controlling how the ball rolls and then controlling, um, you know, the path and then, you know, launch conditions and all that stuff. That's, that's important, but it's digging into how the player perceives the curve, how, how they, how they picture the putt, you know, how they go about, you know, managing different environments and situations, which I think is the most difficult part of putting is, Mm-hmm. every putt is a different every every putt is a different situation oh, yeah. right. whether it's slope you know speed all that stuff so that's been probably the most interesting thing for me and i've completely flipped the way i teach putting i used to immediately not that i don't put them on sam putt lab immediately but a lot of times i'll put them on sam putt lab and i won't show them anything mm-hmm. until i take them back out to the green and actually watch them hit putts mm-hmm. that, you know, have different curves and different breaks and, and different situations. That way I can start to see their tendencies and how they problem solve, mm-hmm. you know, the, the different, the different deals. So that's been, that's been the biggest thing. It's, it's so difficult, you know, and you've heard me and, and John Graham talk on, on some podcasts, um, it's so difficult because every person has different tendencies and they have ways that they, I guess, digest information mm-hmm. that you've got to be really, really careful not to give them the wrong, mm-hmm. you know, the, the wrong uh, fix because you could destroy them Sure, as a putter because it's uh, the putting stroke, I think, is very, very fragile at times um, and people can make kind of weird stuff work you know we see right. it on tour all the time right sure. so um i don't know which direction you want to go but i mean that's a long-winded answer to just it's very difficult and you have to do a lot of due diligence on the front end before you start to change things especially when you're dealing with better players and that's kind of what i think what you're talking about is i've sure. started to get a little reputation around town that i teach putting so i start to get a lot of mini tour players and and high level players to come to me just for putting so that's why, you know, they're, they're, they're always, uh, they're always shocked when I say, yeah, we need at least two hours, maybe three. Mm-hmm. We just a putting lesson. And like, yeah. Cause I mean, the first hour I'm just gathering data, yeah. just seeing just what asking, you do. Right. Yeah, I'm asking questions. I'm just, right. I'm just trying to figure out what makes them tick. What do you think? What are, they, what are you where, doing? Yeah. yeah. What, the, where they've come from, what are they trying to do? You know, how do they perceive, you know, how they read the greens and how they see the pots and, all that stuff. And it's amazing. Like even at the high level players, they have misconceptions just like the 15, 20 handicap right. club player. Right. And, you know, so it's really not that different to teach them. The best, the best way I could describe it is they just can change it a little quicker than your average player. Right. If you ask them to do it and they buy into it. Well, I mean, the example, you know, you got really high skilled players uh, that are coming to you, you know, they may have, you know, an aim bias, but then their stroke differential 
creates a pretty consistently appropriate start line uh, based on their intention. They're starting the ball where they're trying to start it pretty consistently, but they're not doing it with what you would consider traditional aim and stroke mechanics, you know, and then you go yeah. to try and get them to aim on a line. You know, hey, I'm going to try to get you to aim better because you're aimed way to the right of where you are trying to start the ball. And then and their stroke, obviously, is compensated for their aim bias. And then you, you're down a rabbit hole that's just going to create a lot of frustration probably for a lot of players. So that's why you have yeah, to be I'm, very careful. Yeah, I think, yeah, and that's a good – that's a great – and that's a great way to put it. It's like, you know, like the left aim under twist blockers – I think are the most difficult because mm -hmm. you put them on putt lab and say they're aiming two degrees left and you say, well, that's a problem. Like, well, maybe, maybe not. Right. So if right. you're under twisting and blocking and the face squares up pretty good every time, that's okay. But then you go test them on a, you know, test them on a right to left putt and see if they can do that. Right. I mean, right. so it's just, you know, you, it, not that they can't change it, but oftentimes you have to change things in twos, right? So you can't just change mm -hmm. their aim, not change the release. Right. Or how the how the face is rotating. Now, you know, you, you aim that you aim that person perfect. Now you got a big, you know, big block and a big miss and they're gonna they're gonna get frustrated. Sure. So it's just it's it's always it's always a judgment call. And again, it's always knowing your student and kind of, you know, how adept they are at, at changing a habit that maybe has been there their whole junior golf career. That's mm -hmm. that's difficult, right? So you, it's a it's it's a decision that the coach has to make. But that's what we do, right? I mean, it's just it's yep. figuring out. That's the genius in it. Like I can sit here and tell you different scenarios, but without knowing the individual, it's very difficult to know exactly would I change that or would I not change that. Exactly. Yeah, you can't really work from a framework uh, with every player and say, hey, I'd like to get you to aim the putter exactly where you're trying to start it, make a stroke that starts it there with proper launch conditions, and then, and then go from there. When you're just dealing with getting the ball started on line, there's just so many little – little pieces that have to, to coordinate to, to make that happen. And, you know, a player, a lot of times their diagnosis of what they're doing is just totally off. They, they think it's a line issue and you watch them putt and they have, haven't stopped a putt anywhere close to the proper distance past the hole. And it's always that relationship as well. Yeah. I mean, Steve. I think that that's the, and like going back to the original statement is the picture stuff I think is so much more important. And that's where, you know, when good players come to me, they're always surprised at how little I do with their stroke and how much mm -hmm. more I do with their perception and their picture. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it, you know, every putt starts with an intended distance choice. Right. So, I mean, mm -hmm. and then, you know, building that back from entry point to, to drop point, which you, you coined that phrase, mm -hmm. uh, drop point, And I use that every day. Yeah. And could be, you know, and then, now my new thing that I got from John Graham is the clown's mouth, right? So basically it's the top of the break, right? So mm -hmm. if you can figure, if you can get people to, to start to picture the putt better, it's, yeah. it's amazing. You know, I, I just feel like when you're doing that, everybody's like, well, how's that, how are they going to take that to the course? It's like the more, I think the more we're so, we're also visual, the more pictures you can give them to put in their database so in mm -hmm. their brain, Right. I think the better they're going to be. Cause I mean, putting is so much experience, right? Yeah. It's seeing situations over and over and over mm -hmm. and then being able to recall that in competition, you know, Hey, this is a 3% break. This is kind of what it looks like. Cause as we know, the drop point is huge because people see putts that have too much curve, right? Mm -hmm. Especially good players. If they actually know the aim point, they're going to see too much curve. So showing them the, how much flatter that putts coming into the hole 
mm-hmm. I think is a major, major deal. And as you know, as we've talk, had a lot of discussions on, most, most putters are looking at what? They're looking at the first third. Right. They're looking at where they're going to start it, and they lose sight of the last, part, last half of the curve, which I think exactly. is a huge mistake. Right. So, so, you know, coaches out there, or even the players, get with somebody that understands this stuff and get them to, get them to see what the last, last third of the curve is doing. I think it makes a huge difference in everything, right? Without yeah. that, you can't control your speed, right? So that goes back to, you know, what's, the, what's one of the most important things? You got to be able to stop the ball where you want to stop it. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I love John Graham's uh, drill where he puts a coin down and asks a player to make the ball stop on the coin. I think yeah, that's really that's telling as to where the where the players' skills are in terms of reading greens and and controlling speed and recognition of the speed factors in any given putt. You know, when you're dealing with with that, you're talking about hey, every putt's a different distance, a different slope on a different stamp, and uh, you know, delivering the ball at the proper uh, entry speed is is so critical to making putts. And if not making putts, at least reducing three putts. You know, we're dealing yeah, with you don't see anybody cash. doing that. You don't no. see anybody practicing that. Nope, you know? never. It's always putting a to a hole. And you, yeah, they're always yeah putting to a hole, or they're you know working on straight six footers, or right. You know, you just don't see enough enough of that stuff where they have to solve all the problems. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's really a, a miss a misguided effort for most folks when they go to the putting green. You'll see them drop three or four balls down and it's hit all three balls at the same hole. And they're not learning really anything about their putting skills. They're learning yeah. that putt. You know, oh, it breaks a little exactly. more than I thought. The second ball, they're playing with a little higher break, you know, and they're learning that putt. You go, well, you're not learning right. about your putting skills. <laughs> so you need to get some variation in what you do. I know it's um, just a continuous process to educate golfers on how to, you know, spend the quality time on the putting green to get better. And diagnosis is so critical. Talk about speed a little bit with us. You know, golfers are – they'd like to get better. Give them something that they can take to the putting green tomorrow, a drill, that you think would really help them understand speed a little bit. Talk, talk about what creates the speed and the stroke and how the, how the golfer recruits their velocity and some of the things that you like to teach. Yeah, I mean, I think – you know, obviously there's two hitting in the sweet spots important, but I don't think it's everything. Right. I think if right. you can get a player to hit it in the same part of the putter mm-hmm. every time, like some people hit it a little in the toe or a little, maybe a little in the heel, like knowing, knowing what, seems, knowing yeah. what that ball speed looks like coming off the putter, I think is, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, link the stroke and then putter speed. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think fitting those two things into the, into that window or that box uh, is important because what you know what we've found you know using using putt lab it's nothing nothing new now but i mean six seven years ago it was pretty eye-opening for me is how much you know average players are trying to over accelerate the putter through impact right and they tend to get a very short backstroke that's kind of slow and then a very uh, fast over accelerated forward stroke that looks very long mm-hmm. so so getting them to sort of balance that out a little bit would be the first thing as far as just how the putter moves, so it'd be a you know a little, little faster backstroke, which gives you you know an early transition when the putter starts changing direction. We want that putter to be pretty close to to peak speed. You know, we found as me and you have talked about many times, we found that peak speed happens before impact, not after mm-hmm. impact for good for good putters. Sure, and you know, and the putters accelerating 
uh, more at a constant rate or sometimes at a decreasing rate. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, it it works pretty good too on faster greens. Now, a lot of times I think it's a product of their environment, right? If they play slow greens, a lot of times you'll see that over accelerating stroke. Right. uh, That can, that can work sometimes. But if, you know, if, if a player comes to you that has speed issues, then that's usually the first thing I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the, as far as drills go, I love drills that make you adapt um, mm-hmm. to every single ball. Uh, you know, John Graham's uh, leapfrog drills, I call it, is, mm-hmm. is pretty good where you just set up a ball marker at zero, six, and 12. So you create a, a sort of a six-foot little little uh area for the ball to roll in and you got to roll the first ball just past the uh the first ball mark and then you have to roll every ball uh, a little bit farther uh, consecutively and see how many you can fit into that box right i call that and that's sort of the basic one which i mean we still use it for good players but if they get bored with that one then i go to what i call professional which is zero five 10, 15, and 20. So you basically create three five-foot blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to roll, and they really got to adapt. Then you roll the first ball to the five-foot next to the 10-foot next to the to the 15-foot marker, and then repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've given that to some of my players when they come back and say they're bored of the, of the first <laughs> one because it's not the most exciting drill, but right. it, has a lot of, it has a lot of value in being able to change uh, the putter speed, the length, and then the how how long the ball rolls every mm-hmm. single putt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably my favorite drill is what I call the Jordan Spieth drill. It's I I just I stole it from Cameron McCormick, Jordan's coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's more sort of a hybrid where I'll actually set up because I, I don't like to have my players just sitting there hitting five footers over and over. I mean, if you make a hundred five footers, you're that's just not real golf. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have them hit you know five five to six footers, you know, and you can put down your training aids, your chalk lines or whatever on that one, make three in a row. And then I'll set up 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, and have a safety zone behind the hole where the safety zone gets smaller, the closer they get to the hole. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of imagine 30 feet gives you three feet tolerance, 25 feet gives you two and a half foot tolerance. So you mm-hmm. bounce back and forth so once you get your three and your 30 footer, then you go back to the three uh, straight, you know, the straight pot. And you can you can make it as difficult as you want. Like now I've been doing um, the short pot I've been doing right to left, left to right and straight. Mm-hmm. So they've got to really adapt. Right. So it's just, you know, depending on the skill level of the player, um, you can kind of make it as difficult. But it's, it's not difficult. You just have to have some structure mm-hmm. when you go to the practice screen and go, what am I going to do? Like you mm-hmm. said, are you going to? throw a sleeve of balls on the ground and start rolling them around or mm-hmm. are you really going to dig in and start to build some skills right that's the key is understanding what skills that that particular golfer really needs to to improve upon and without coming to see you or me or somebody that's going to help them diagnose that they're probably just wasting their time going rolling balls around <laughs> it's just not yeah. really going to yeah, they're not learn learning anything. anything right i yeah. mean they're learning kind of what the speed of the green looks like but <laughs> that's different than and we're not talking about right before they go out to play we're actually talking about dedicating some time to get better as a putter i mean that's the thing is like when people ask me it's like how do you get better i'm like you actually got to go and have have some dedicated practice time build that into your to your schedule sure and then you know and you can go deep as you know practicing your slopes and you know practicing your green reading as well i mean it's all that stuff 
is a big package that most people don't even scratch the surface on and they expect sure. to get better. Right. Yeah, they don't. Uh, they rarely go out and practice anything that's going to improve their skills because they think practice is hitting. You know, they think of practice. We we call it block practice now, but we we think of practice as being hitting putt after putt after putt from that same spot, rolling up a straight slope, um, perfecting their stroke. And you, as as you and I know, a perfect perfect stroke doesn't really exist in putting. And if it did, it would only be as effective as that player's ability to read greens and and aim that perfect stroke and That's control right. the velocity at impact so speed was coordinated with their start line so perfect stroke is is not even what it takes to to be successful at putting sometimes Maybe yeah the I, I just I, the latest thing i've been doing is just is just all that picture stuff right so it's getting getting my players to take one ball mm-hmm. go out and read read a putt and then I think the biggest skill for, especially for good putters, is being able to discern, to discern what happened mm-hmm. with the putt, right? So did it start left? Did it start straight? Did it start right? Why mm-hmm. did that happen? Was it a face issue? Was it, you know, what, right. starting to di- be able to diagnose the sure. issues is huge because if not, then they're going to start fixing the wrong things, just like full swing. Oh, so yeah. I'll get them to, I'll get them just hit a putt and start to pay attention and then build the picture, right? So, I mean, hopefully they're starting with intention and, and building it backwards, but then starting to put, you know, drop point and, you know, the top of the break and then start line or whatever, and then hit some putts. And again, start to create that experience database in your mind of what that putt looks like. And then, you know, try right to lefters, left to righters, but I think that's a better practice than just doing a random putt and just going, well, that wasn't a good putt because it didn't go <laughs> right. in. You know, there's yeah. a lot to that, right? It's, a, it's, it, it's not about making putts all the time. It's about understanding, you know, what kind of putt was it? I, I love when players say, oh, I hit a really good putt, didn't go in. I'm like, well, what's, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What sure. does that mean to you? Hit right. a good putt because the, the line rolled over itself. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's great. You can roll a line over itself. Like it didn't start anywhere close to where it should have. <laughs> right. It's not a good line. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of times they want to say something that builds their confidence and, and that feels good, but it's not making them Yeah. Making yeah, them that's aware. fine, but it's like it's not helping you internally to, to like know what to change. What do you do next? You mm-hmm. keep rolling the line over itself and you feel like it's gonna go in, you gotta change something. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so many golfers are going to choose anger and aggravation. I would prefer they choose awareness and analytical skills. You know, say, 100%. hey, we, we can. Yeah, it's you, very you know, well said. I, lo- I love you're that. Just, you're just going to get angry and, and, and aggravated. But what you need to do is get aware that you didn't start yeah. the putt anywhere close to the line that you intended to, or you did, and you just had the wrong speed, or you didn't have a clue uh, where the proper target for that putt was in the first place. You know, just one yeah, of the three I mean, things. Yeah, start Jim, lines, as Jim Rohn says, turn frustration into fascination. That's exactly. I love that too. That's fantastic. <laughs> Get fascinated. Kind of figure. You know, go figure it out. Exactly. Yeah, I think when uh, when we talk about um, you know your family, we we really have to mention there's some big news uh, in your in your family lately. I noticed on social media that young Nicholas has signed a letter of intent to play D1 college golf. That's got to that's got to be something you're very proud of. Oh man, you don't even know. Like it, it's you're yeah. you're gonna make me cry. 
Well, <laughs> it, we're all we're all proud of, of Nicholas and, and all that went into yeah. his uh, career development. And, you know, that's something that you and I both share is, is sons that play competitive golf. And, and we probably live and die by every shot that these kids have hit um, through our entire lives. And it's just so important for us as dads to see that relationship, you know, stay solid as a dad, but also be their coach. And it's very difficult. You've, you've balanced that line magnificently and uh, compliments to you and your family and your, your Christian background for making that happen. So congratulations. Thank you. Man. Yeah. It's, awesome. it, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal. Cause as you know, he's, he's been through a lot of ups and downs with his game and you know, you're, you're on top of the world then you can't, you know, then you can't find it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, coaches, coaches are talking to you. Then coaches, you know, stop talking to you. It's been, it's been a long road. So to, to kind of keep that, you know, it could have been really easy for him to quit and give sure. up, but I'm really proud that he kind of hung in there. And you know, both of us as a team mm-hmm. have, uh, have just kind of kept, kept pushing forward and, um, you know, our faith was big, obviously, because it, it was it was very difficult to a lot of times we had some tough times where, you know, we didn't think it was going to happen. Right. And for it to work out as late as it, I mean, it's just not it's not normal for a, a kid to sign this late. Right. As you know, that the recruiting process is, is pretty brutal. Um, I just couldn't be more thankful. And I'm just so proud of, of him as not just as as a golfer, but as a as a young man. Right. Um, because he's he's going he's gone through a lot of stuff that kids probably won't go through until maybe they're in college. But I think that's a huge advantage. And I think that's what a lot of what the, the coaches that were interested in him late understood. But that, you know, adversity breeds success and character, as I, as I always say. Mm-hmm. And he's got he's got tons of that. And I'm really excited to kind of see him uh, go to the next level. Well, it's going to be exciting to watch him when he gets there playing some golf, and I know we'll be following closely uh, watching his career continue because uh, he's a great young man, and you should be very proud. I know Tiffany's proud, and she's she's going to be um, – I'll probably be beside herself when you guys are completely empty nesters next year. So that's oh my another gosh. thing. You, you got is, Brittany yeah, out of the house. I don't even want to think Nicholas. about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's going to be hard on Dad and, and – yeah, probably probably harder on me than than her. But, Might be um, some more date nights in you guys' future, though. You that's know? true. Yeah, yeah, we'll have some free She's time to and look forward to. Uh, get to do some stuff. I won't be traveling around the junior golf tournaments anymore. That's really I'll be teaching well, a lot more as well. Well, you'll be going to some <laughs> college tournaments. I tell you, and they're just further away. So uh, <laughs> they're just further away. I I went and watched my son play yesterday, and it it never stops. So you just continue to go and when you can and pull for him and. And that's what you'll do, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, listen, you know, Jason, we could talk forever. I think what I would encourage any golfer to do is to reach out uh, to you or uh, one of your talented staff members there. we got to talk about your talented staff. You've been so, um, I, I guess, effective at bringing in talent uh, with Seth Mertz and young Robbie Fells there on staff with you. Um, you know, your mentorship has, has been tremendous for, for their development. Um, but you've, uh, you've had a long line of talented people there at your facility. And um, it goes without saying that a lot of that is because of the environment that you create for these kids to come on there and get passionate and go down the rabbit hole with you, you know. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's a big deal. We can Thank talk you. forever, and I'm going to have probably try and get both of those guys to come on and do a show as well because uh, you know I think yeah, that would be they're 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 definitely young superstars. I'm I'm super proud of of both Robbie and Seth because um, I'm not sure how much I've done. I've just just tried to impart as much knowledge and you know past experiences as I can f- for them. But really, they do the work. I mean, they're the ones that are yeah. getting after it. You know, they're the ones that are you know inter- I I try to create opportunities for them to, to learn, which is having my friends, uh, you know, it's really smart coaches come in and do, do seminars and do, do certifications. And, and then Robbie and Seth have done a great job of sort of building those relationships uh, with a lot of the, the guys that I've learned from over the years. And that's what it's all about. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's them doing the work. So I, I, I can't take all the credit. It's just, I just give them the pathway and, create that environment and um, they just know I'm there for them to, to run things by me or, you know, anything that they have, you know, that I can help them with. I'm always there for them. Cause I mean, they're like family to me. Right. I love both of them. So, and I'll tell them that. Um, so it's just, it's a cool, it's a cool environment because we all just try to get better, you know, together and we just continue to, like you said, go down the rabbit holes and, and try to try to try different things. And that's, it's fun when you got people around you that have that sort of like-minded, you know, continuous learning attitude, um, because you just feel like, you know, it, it's going to be fun. It's kind of like, you know, watching Nick go to college, but it's going to be fun to watch these guys grow and see what mm-hmm. they do in their careers as well. Exactly. Well, that brings us to the final phase of the forecast show today, and I want to run down some questions with you. These will be just kind of fast and furious and fun. I call them my F forecast questions. So first one is, uh, what's your four favorite foods? Oh, gosh. They're all bad, <laughs> but uh, I you love still have pizza. to have some. <laughs> like, because, you know, I've tried to always be, like, low-carb, but, like, like pizza's, like, my number one. Like, I could eat it every day. I'd be, like, you know, 290 pounds. <laughs> um, God, aside from that, I just love, pro- I mean, steak. I just love, I mean, yeah. I'm all about protein now. So, you know, anything, anything, any meat. <laughs> is, Usually is when good. I'm with you, it's I, lo- a I love a good no filet. And, yeah, like a, like a really good hamburger. Uh, and then... I don't know. I mean, I sweet. I got a sweet problem. I think that's part of my issue. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, why you have to run 10 miles yeah, a day. Cookies are an issue. <laughs> I'm right there with you on that one, buddy. <laughs> What's the first thing you do every day? Is there, is there a ritual, a first thing you do when you get up out of bed every day? Uh, I mean, aside from just getting, you know, getting, getting ready to go to work, I got to have a cup of coffee. I mean, it's just a, that's, yep. you know, another, I got a probably a caffeine issue as well. You, you make um, it yourself yeah. or does Tiffany fix it for you? Yeah, no, I make, I make it myself. Okay. Um, been, I've been drinking a lot of, uh, mushroom coffee lately. Okay. If you ever heard of that, it's got a little more potency and it's a little, it's organic, uh, okay. which is a little bit easier on your, on your stomach. Okay. Um, but it will light you up. Like it gets you, it gets you going pretty gets quick. Going so pretty quick. I've got a really important lesson or meeting or something I'm doing. And I feel like I need a little bit extra. I usually go to the mushroom coffee. Okay. Uh, so when you're not teaching, what do you do for fun? What's fun for Jason? Uh, fishing is like my favorite thing in the whole world. I don't get to do enough of it. I've started me and Nick actually have started fishing a little bit more together, which has been kind of cool. 
It's like fly uh, fishing summer. or yeah, I love yeah. fly fishing. Is like my passion. Like I said, I don't yeah. get to do it as much, but um, just on my last birthday, my wife got me a float trip. Uh, that me and Nick did, which was probably one of the best fishing experiences I've ever had. So uh, look forward to doing that more uh, mm-hmm. here in the future. Is uh, just any kind of fishing. I do. I mean, I love fly fishing, but I have bass fishing, saltwater fishing. It doesn't matter. I just, I just love it. That's probably my favorite thing. Awesome. And so is there anything that you want to fix before you're finished? Before I'm finished when they put me in the big divot? Is that what you're saying? Is there anything you want to fix between now and the time you're finished? Yep. Yeah, I want to, I got to, I got to, I want to get below 180 pounds. Okay. You want to go (laughs) below 180? I keep getting to like 182 and I just got, for some reason I just stopped. Tough wall to climb over. (laughs) Any any fears? I want to be thinner. Any fears? (laughs) Anything you fear? Uh, anything I fear? That's a great question. Are you afraid um, of heights? Or are you? Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. There you go. I'm. A, I'm a bit. Yeah, I'm afraid of heights. I yeah. was kind of thinking. So deeper. you're not gonna be jumping out of an airplane anytime <laughs> yeah, soon. Yeah, you're not gonna. You're not gonna see me bungee jumping anytime soon. You're jumping out of an airplane. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, definitely afraid of heights. Gotcha. And and the final question is: What's your forecast for your future? More fishing, more fishing, <laughs> retirement. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just I mean, more time, more time with you know, with with my wife. Now, I guess that my kids are gonna gonna be out of the house. I don't know. I mean, I, it's a great question because I I think about that all the time. I try to do a lot of reflecting and and going forward. It, it just it's more again more giving back, um, to to our to our industry. Um, spending time, you know, spending more time with friends, you know, like, like mm-hmm. you, I just don't, we, we are so busy. I just don't, I don't get to do that enough. Yeah. Um, just stuff like that. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm real excited. I mean, we'll probably plug the, the stuff at the end. I'm real excited for, for my new app that just came out. Yeah. Tell us um, a little bit about that. I meant to yeah, mention that as well. Yes. I know. I'm sure you're probably going to, going to get to it afterwards, but yeah, I just, I just signed with contract with swing you which they've been i mean great it's a digital marketing company that is allowing me to build my own app for golfing subscribers or teachers either one so basically Mm -hmm. it's uh full of videos right so it's it's got it's got all the mastermind skills in there and all the the drills that i like plus a lot of sort of live lesson stuff in there as well because there's a Facebook mm-hmm. feed type feature that's that's awesome where students can get on there they can get online lessons and this is for obviously non non-members of course uh, they can't get to me um, an opportunity to work with me uh, personally and then communicate with me at, at a very close level because they'll be able to post videos comment on videos pictures whatnot so it's real exciting it's yeah we just did a soft launch and this is a great (laughs) thank you for letting me plug that but absolutely um just start yeah just starting to roll it out here in the next week so you can go to the app store and and catch that it's a golf guru golf guru app um and then obviously the podcast um Mm -hmm. has been doing really well which you've been on Thank been you very, for being yeah, a guest. Been very fortunate to be on. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, and we'll and we'll put obviously we're going to put this one on my on my uh, feed as well. Try to grow grow this this one for thank, you because you, you do such a great job and you. Uh, I've enjoyed your previous guests and your your uh, previous 
podcast. So golf guru, golf guru podcast is out there as well, but you know, just doing more, more of that stuff to help other coaches and help other golfers and just continue to, to get better. Um, yeah, the future, yeah. the future of our industry depends on, you know, instructors like yourself and myself. And, you know, that's what I'm so uh, proud of to be associated with you, Jason, is that you, you're leading our industry and there's a lot of followers and you're leading the industry forward. And um, <clears throat> so we're in good hands. The future is good. The forecast Thank is good you. for golf. I hope so. Thanks to you. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I can't uh, can't thank you enough for spending a little time with us this morning. We'll get you back on soon again and follow up with Nicholas and Brittany and Tiffany and how they're dealing with all the different changes when when Nicholas goes off to school and certainly uh, following his career as a young D1 college golfer. Check in on your fishing and see what you caught in the last couple trips you go out. So you'll get more time to do all that, I'm sure, as well. And I look forward to seeing you soon, man. We'll, we'll share a steak, uh, some red wine, and, and go down the rabbit hole talking some more golf, I'm sure. Absolutely. Thanks so much yeah. for having me, Alan. Hey, great, great show, Jason. Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in today of the episode with Jason Sutton, the golf guru. Check his web uh, podcast out as well. It is fantastic. The guests that he has on are so informative and you will you'll just enjoy hearing all the information shared on golf guru show thanks again jason we'll talk soon and again listeners check us out the forecast on the mesh podcast network and tell all your friends if they want to learn more about golf and grow their golf iq have a laugh or two we'd look forward to having some more listeners so pass the word and we'll see you next time on the show the forecast been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.